everyone, and welcome to episode 208 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Zephrod Olive, and we got the full crew here this week, starting off with Richard. What's going on, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, not much. Excited to talk New Standard, mostly. And joining us to talk New Standard, we also have Krim. How's it going, Krim? Hey, Seth. What's up? Uh, Not much. It has been a kind of wild weekend in the world of Magic. We had not only our first big tournament for Ravnik Allegiant Standard, a big SCG Open, uh, but then there was also some weird coverage stuff and just these strange, odd things happening over the weekend as far as coverage and trophies and indie bands and all this stuff. So <laughs> we're going to start off talking Standard, and then we'll probably get to some of the stranger, wackier news, uh, and then fish mail, of course. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, a reminder that our show today is sponsored by SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy. They have some really sweet courses by really great Hall of Fame level players in modern and standard, even some stuff on Magic Arena. So if you are looking to level up your Magic game, uh, check out SpikesAcademy.com. You can even get 10% off with the code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, check out Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So thank you to Spikes Academy for their support. And with that out of the way, let's talk some sweet new standards. So SCG Open in Indianapolis happened this weekend, and we got our first kind of high-level look at our new standard format, and uh, I don't think it was what most people were expecting based on their experiences over the last week or so on Arena. So, uh, Richard, tell us a little bit about the top decks and what happened at the SCG event this weekend. All right, so we had our, our first standard event, uh, courtesy of SCG and the winner was Saltai Midrange. So Saltai Midrange is basically the black-green deck we all know and love with some, uh, I guess, Hydroid Crassuses Crassus, <laughs> thrown in there. But basically, your Explorer Package, your Black Removal, Vraska's Contempt, uh, Ravenous Chupacabra, and then some Hydroid Crassuses. Uh, we have Bant Midrange, another, another big deck. <laughs> Uh, Angel of Grace uh, tops out that deck. You got Teferi's in there, Frilled Mystic, and Growth Chamber Guardians. Oh, that deck, there's so many one-ofs. Just looking at this deck, it makes my it makes my brain hurt a little bit, but apparently it works. It's, it's, it, I don't know why it's called mid-range. It looks kind of control-ish. I guess the Growth Chamber Guardians kind of skew it towards mid-range, but it looks like... Way too many creatures. It, it, it tops at like four. Four is when the deck starts doing something useful. The rest of it is kind of just uh, control the board until we get to that point. And of course, everyone's favorite history of Benalia is in there. Uh, Azorius Aggro is a thing. There's no there's no Dovin in it though. But it's basically mono white aggro with uh, Deputy of Detention thrown in there. So that's the Magus of the Detention Sphere card. And then uh, Krim's favorite, Esper Control, <laughs> in here. Obviously, we got Teferi. We have a bunch of control cards. Chromium <laughs> is uh, yep. the finisher that doesn't take a million years to finish the game with. And then Kaya's Wrath, of course, our four-mana Wrath, uh, makes its show there. And then, I guess the rest of the decks, Esper Midrange, kind of... I don't know what you would call this. It's just like a Thief of Sanity deck like it's a hero deck I, oh it's hero just like one. Yeah. creatures yeah it, it's just it's just like if you take all the creatures and then you got dovin in here so he actually did make a showing uh and then uh, you, imagine imagine a deck i would jam four quasi duplicates into the creatures <laughs> that would be in that deck and you will know exactly what creatures are in esper mid-range yeah seraph of <laughs> yep. scales is in here uh and then we have is it drakes a deck we know um and then we don't see much mono red. Mono red shows up at like tenth, maybe thirteenth. Uh, it's basically the mono red you you know and love, except now we can skewer the critics and light up the stage. And yeah, it's just a bunch of kind of mid rangey decks, and then slightly bigger with the control. But that's not what you typically see on a week. Usually, week one at these events is aggro. 
So it's interesting that uh, Wild Growth Walker has kind of pushed that aside. And it's very different from what everyone's been seeing on Arena, where aggro runs rampant. So it's interesting that there's a big split between Arena and Paper Magic already uh, starting off this new standard season. Yeah, I think uh, definitely based on these results, and I think it really is a best of three versus best of one thing, because these results actually don't look that strange if you've been keeping up on the Magic Online metagame and what's been top-eating leagues with all the random mid-range and crosses. That's kind of been... There's still definitely some surprises, but that's what the Magic Online metagame has looked like more. When Arena has had a lot more of the burn in the Turbo Fog or Wilderness Reclamation decks, uh, I think overall the, the format looks pretty decent. I mean, it's just week one. It's dangerous to read too much into the first weekend of results, but we got a decent mix of decks, most of them kind of slow and grindy, which is a little bit refreshing because I think people were a little worried, or at least I was a little worried, that we're going to be in a format where mono-red burn-style decks and also like the really fast Wilderness Reclamation, uh, Fog-slash-Combo, Expansion Explosion, whatever broken thing you're going to do with untapping all your lands every turn. I was a little afraid that those decks would kind of dominate the format, but at least for week number one, the format looks pretty fair and fairly diverse yeah uh the, the best of three meta is i mean i i'm just happy to see hero precinct getting played but yeah like i'm, I'm loving all the mid-range right now and i mean it's not like mono red wasn't there if we look down uh scg published every deck that made it into day two which was like 66 players made day two if you look down mono red Agro was there there were some uh fog style decks and then one one of my favorites is lower in the ray gigs. There's a bunch of gate decks, four color guild gate decks. Actually, putting I think there's four in total. Some of them are playing uh, the more comboy Nexus of Fate style, but some of them are just. It looks like a really good limited deck. You got your gate Colossuses, <laughs> your Arcway Angels, your you're just anything that like pays off gates, and you're just like jam them all together, play every tap land in the format, and we're doing it. And apparently, it works. Yeah, it really looks like a limited deck. <laughs> It does. It looks like your dream limited. You're like, oh man, I love dra- the the bots undervalue gate stuff on arena, and I just get all these cards really late. It looks like that, but it's standard. <laughs> Some someone did like four pre-release events, and they're like, okay, okay. <laughs> if I combine these together, I can show off. The other thing I thought was really cool was uh, Jim Davis's stack, which it's not really my style of deck in general. It's kind of like a Jund mid-range stack, really like a Rakdos mid-range stack. But it was making really good use of the combo that we had talked about for a long time, Goblet Chain Whirler, with a status statue to give for one mana your Chain Whirler Death Touch with the trigger on the stack. And I think he was, like, undefeated through day one and still finished in 31st place. But he had some matches on camera where there was just, like, this huge board stall against Saltai, and both decks have, like, a million creatures and no one can do anything. And then eventually he's just like, oh, all right, Chain Whirler status, Wrath Your Board, one-sided, <laughs> like one mana plague wind and now we win so that was really cool to see that actually working in practice yeah that's that's i i thought that was one of those things where it's like a little too <laughs> a little too out there to actually like work but <laughs> i guess it's uh it's pretty good yeah aside from that rakdos didn't have that much of a showing like from week one we we see that azorius uh, is very strong, and it was already strong before we got any cards for Azorius, thanks to uh, Mr. Teferi there. Uh, Simic was a big winner from here. Uh, what, what's the other guild? Uh, Orzov was pretty much or- non-existent. Orzov didn't exist, even though there's a bunch of Esper decks. You know, the Orzov cards are eh, eh. So, it's interesting uh, to see the early winners of our guild so far for Standard. I think for me, one of the biggest things is not even the guild so much, but now that we have 10 shock lands, there's very little downside to being three colors, and that's what we're seeing a lot more of. In Ravnica Legion Standard, or or Guilds of Ravnica Standard, rather, we had a lot of just straight 
guild-based decks. Golgari, is it? Like, this is my guild, this is what I'm playing. But now we see a lot of guild with a splash of a third color. Uh, often, Hydroid Crosses uh, turning Golgari into Saltai, for example. But we also saw, like, Teamer Climb, uh, Esper, rather than a straight two-color thing, the Jun mid-range deck. So I think that that's kind of where Standard is now, where, unless you have some budget concerns and don't have all your mana base or whatever, there's very little downside to being three colors compared compared to two colors at this point. I have noticed there's been a lot of people not, like, since the mana's so good, a good chunk of people are building their decks without a ton of basics. So Field of Rune can just run around and, like, blow people's lands up. <laughs> strip mine. Strip. And also, the <laughs> other thing it makes so much better is Settle the Wreckage. Settle the Wreckage yep. has so little downside now with people playing, like, one or two basics, and you're just like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is like, free now, when before your opponent would pull out, like, eight lands, and you're like, oh, I'm still gonna lose because of this, or gonna bane fire me. But that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, I'm like, like you can see uh, Assassin's Trophy now, like, I, I actually had this happen the other day online, where it's like, oh, yeah, I have my only basics, so... <laughs> I guess I won't get a land. <laughs> so, so give me your uh, one or two biggest winners from week one, either uh, deck-wise, if you want to, or card-wise, if you want to be more specific. What are a couple of the biggest winners from our first week of RNA Standard? It's a fairy hero of Dominario. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a really good card. It's still doing things. It's still, it gets better when it actually has support around it now, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, obviously the Shocklands, as you just mentioned, but I, I, for me, the card that I, I thought was, uh, was interesting to see get played as much as it has is, uh, Basilica Bellhaunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's been a, there's a decent amount of that, right? Like, I mean, I knew there was a lot of hype already, uh, going, like, after, after everyone really, like, missed Hero Precinct 1, uh, tons of people started working around it. I've been infatuated with the card. I've been playing with the card. And so, like, I'm just happy to see it doing well, and uh, I, I'm happy that that Wyatt Darby uh, got into the top eight with that. That's that's such a cool card. So, I, and I'm happy to see all, all like like you could see like there's an Esper mid range deck, and it's not just Esper control. So you get to play Hero, and then the beautiful curve of going into Dovin or Thief of Sanity, those things, and like ugh, and getting tokens off Mortifies and Thought Erasures is beautiful. Yeah, there, there's another build of this, and it wasn't at the tournament. I think it, uh, it is from Dave Murphy, who used to do the Card Hoarder podcast, but he was playing a similar shell with Heroes and Dovins, uh, and so forth, but then also playing Divine Visitation, which is super <laughs> sweet. Like, Dovin with Divine Visitation, or Hero with Divine Visitation, uh, and that was basically the finisher, the same kind of plan of just, like, kind of stalling out in the early game, and then all of a sudden, you're just making these 4-4s out of nowhere. So uh, pretty interesting to see that too. Oh, another winner. Speaking of divine visitation and enchantments, is Mortify. <laughs> Mortify, I've been I've been noticing has just been so good right now. <laughs> like it's so good. I cannot play less than four right now. I've been loving that card. Yeah, it's very important. There are a lot of good enchantments running around, and when I think. Talking winners, one card that is really increased in value and why it didn't really show up in the top eight, if you look through the lower decks, uh, it's floating around, and that is Hadana's Climb, uh, another powerful enchantment being added to the list as sort of a finisher for these... Uh, Golgari Splash or Simic Splash style decks to just all of a sudden hit your opponent with a massive creature out of nowhere. So that's another one. I think the easiest choice for winner for me has got to be Hydroid Crosses. That's a card that uh, during spoiler season, it looked fine. It didn't look super efficient, but it has proven itself to just be one of the best things you can be casting for like six mana in the standard format to the point where we're seeing uh, those uh, more often and then stuff like Carnage Tyrant even in main decks now, which is pretty impressive based on how powerful Carnage Tyrant has been for the last few months to see something else, which is actually fighting for that six plus mana slot in those style of decks. Yeah, it's it's weird to hear like from my group of uh, like, you know, my testing groups and stuff too, like saying like, hey, I'm going to play Sultai and all this. And everyone's saying that Carnage Tyrant feels like the weakest de uh, card in the deck. 
sometimes. And it's just like, because, like, a what? Hold on, what do you mean Carnage Tyrant's the weakest card <laughs> in the deck? That thing terrorizes me. playing Carnage Tyrant Grim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I'm trying to make, stop playing that card, please. No, like, Hydroid Crosses, Crisis, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> jellyfish is just what I call it. Uh, the Jellyfish is is just absurd. It's been over, it's it's overperforming. It's doing, it's killing it out there. And it is the most played card that it's, it's absurdly powerful from RNA. It's like, I think the most expensive card, right? From RNA right now too. It has really spiked. I think it's up to like $30 in paper. Maybe it's went up a little more. That was yesterday. Uh, actually up to $40 in paper (laughs) now. And, uh, (laughs) and similar on magic online, 31 something. So I guess, uh, playing on arena, it always costs the same there. I know I, got i got wrecked uh the budget magic coming out tonight is a four crosses stack and i recorded it last week when they were like ten dollars a copy and now they're forty dollars a copy which is not not ideal <laughs> i'm gonna get so yelled at by the youtube comments <laughs> <laughs> what kind of budget is this <laughs> oh i know i'm preparing for those comments already like i know they're coming <laughs> It's okay, you spiked it. <laughs> so, so we, yeah, at least I can't get blamed. It's already spiked, so this one's not my fault. <laughs> so we talked about some of the winners. How about losers? Uh, what, from our first week in Standard, didn't really do as well as maybe you were thinking heading into the weekend? Grohl, Spellbreaker. Oh, yeah, yeah that's Grohl right. Grohl was pretty much nowhere to be found. Yep. That was a card that I was, you know, like, like, well, this is a great card. This is a sweet card. Uh, I saw like a bunch of people like hyping it up going into the weekend, like Jerry Thompson put out a list for a girl, all this other stuff and kind of didn't really do anything. Just kind of just, it exists. Like it's, it's just there and it didn't do well. Yeah. I think oh, Rhythm that, of the Wild, another one. Basically all, <laughs> all the Gruel cards. cards. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just Gruel. <laughs> the hyped guild that I was about to jump ship for. Good thing I didn't. I stayed Demir. Uh, <laughs> but like, like yeah, like the most of the whole Gruel deck is just not really doing well. I mean, the deck that is Gruel-ish is Teamer and it's, I mean... Hydra's Crace, Hydroid Crace, I don't know, Jellyfish, whatever, that card. That card is all that's, that can be talked about right now. And it's because it's putting up results and Grohl is not and all the hyped cards from the beginning of the season are not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really good pick because I think a lot of people were high on Grohl just from hearing, uh, social media and people talking about different decks. I think a lot of people were thinking that at least immediately when first weeks of formats tend to do uh, tend to be pretty aggressive. Aggro decks tend to do better because you're just focused on killing your opponent and not answering what your opponent's doing. So I think a lot of people thought Gruul was going to be a big player, at least for right now, until people figure out the more complicated deck. So it was surprising to see that fall flat. I think the big one for me is really Wilderness Reclamation. That was a card where people were really, uh, really good players talking with a straight face about how this might be a mistake, like a bannable, I can't believe they let this be printed type of mistake, and uh, it didn't really have a huge impact on the format. Like, some people played it, didn't do that well with it. It does show up a little bit in the day two deck lists, but uh, most often, actually, in uh, gate decks with Nexus of Fate, uh, which is a little bit funny, but that's a card I think that I'm still afraid of it. I think, unlike Gruul, where it might just be that the Gruul deck isn't as strong as people were thinking. I think that Wilderness Reclamation, that might be something that takes a little bit of time to figure out. And it is probably something that's going to take a lot of work and brewing to find the right build. But I still think the effect is really powerful. So even though it didn't have a great week one, it's still something that I expect to uh, eventually have a pretty big impact on the format. I 100% agree. I'm right there with you on that. Like right now, yeah, it's not up, like it's not running around and dunking on people, but give it a minute. <laughs> Give it a minute. <laughs> it's a very powerful effect. Uh, what about you, Richard? Any any disappointments or, uh, like, underrated, uh, overrated cards from the weekend? Spawn of Mayhem. Nada. Nada. Rakdos. No one. <laughs> I guess Rakdos was never, was never hyped, but it's sad when a, a guild leader doesn't show up. Sphinx of Foresight. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, that's three I, cards right? decks that could have played it no one played it um, I don't know 
Prime Speaker Vanifer, Standard Pod, not a thing, apparently. That one actually surprised me, too. I was actually thinking we might see some Prime Speakers, but nope, not. I don't know if there were any Prime Speakers in Day 2, honestly, unless I'm missing it in these lists. Uh, I, I didn't see any either. I mean, like, there there is Rakdos Aggro, if you want to... it's wanna... like Mono Red, I think. <laughs> it's like splashing for, like, Theater of Horrors or something, maybe discard to rest in the sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty I, much just Mono Red. I see red and black. I see some spectacle cards. Look, there's... <laughs> That's Rakdos. No, I'm gonna chalk no, it up as no a demo for Rakdos. No Aristocrats. No, no real was... Aristocrats deck. No no Judith, no Judith, really. Yeah. Which, from the early results, that was something people were really hyped about, too, in that. But that's another one, I think, for me, where, similar to Wilderness Reclamation, Aristocrats is a ridiculously hard deck to get right. Like, it's a synergy deck. you got to have the right uh, sack outlets. you got to have the right payoffs. And it's really hard to find the right mix. So I still think that that's something that we can see in the future. But if you look at the decks that did well, uh, a lot of those decks are they're pretty straightforward. You're like, oh, I'll play some Crossuses in my Golgari deck, and I know this is going to be decent. Or, oh, I'll play White Weenie and Splash Deputy Detention, and I know that'll be decent. So I think that some of those harder-to-build decks... They just need more time. Once we get to the Pro Tour in another month or so, that's when maybe we'll be seeing a little bit more of that stuff. Someone call Sam Black. Yeah. Uh, Humongulus <laughs> didn't break the meta. Humongulus, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was definitely on everyone's radar too. <laughs> I'm pretty so, sure it was the top post of the of the subreddit for last week. So you know, it's a big disappointment. No one, no one saw this coming. <laughs> What a heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> so so a couple more things before we move on to other topics. First off, uh, based on these results, Pro Tour is, I believe, like the 20-something, early 20s of February. So roughly uh, just under a month from now. How different do you think the format will look? Like, how representative are these week one results for what you're expecting a month from now, as we're halfway through RNA standard and getting towards our next set. Like, do you think the format's going to continue to look like this, or are we going to see a lot of huge changes as the meta develops? I definitely see the decks uh, adapting and whatnot and changing, but the art, like some of the archetypes you're already looking at, they'll, they'll be around, but they'll just be more fine tuned. Uh, there, but then there's the stuff that, you know, like we just mentioned, I definitely don't think it's going to, like, I don't think it's going to stay exactly like this. There's going to, I, I, there's got to be something with a wilderness reclamation, right? I mean, that, that, that effect, it's just too good. It's just too good. I think there's going to definitely be some kind of a, like, fog deck. And then, of course, Spawn of Mayhem, I believe. <laughs> that card is very good. We just got to <laughs> wait for a deck to play it. I, I I think we're going to see these decks. And, you know, like Krim said, they'll be refined. But I, I think we're past the days of someone showing up at the Pro Tour with something crazy and spiking it. Between Arena, Moto, people playing, SCG, by the time we get to Pro Tour, I don't think there's going to be that many surprises. And probably, like, the two weeks before Pro Tour, that metagame will be representative of what we see at the Pro Tour. Yeah, I think we'll see some new decks develop, but I think a lot of what we're seeing now, I don't expect uh, most of these decks to just disappear, especially since, I mean, some of them are sort of powered-up versions of decks we had before. Like, Golgari was already one of the best decks in Standard, and Splashing Hydroid Crosses, sure, technically you're Salt-Eye, but you're still doing something you know is good. So I think that these decks will probably remain around, but I still really have hope that we're going to see some of those kind of next-level decks, Aristocrats, Wilderness Reclamation, stuff like that. People will figure those out eventually, so that's kind of that's kind of my hope. So I think we'll see these decks, but there will also hopefully be some new additions to the format. So my my second question before we move on, uh, give me one deck that you think is just the sweetest deck. If people don't have time to look through all 66 results, just give me like your favorite deck from the weekend. If people want to check out one deck, maybe try it on Arena or FNM or Magic Online or whatever. Give me your give me your number one choice. Esper Midrange. <laughs> that deck is that deck is super cool. 100%. Uh, I haven't been playing with Basilica Bellhunt. Uh, but I have been playing with Seraph, and, you know, connecting with Thief of Sandy is a lot of fun, and Hero Precinct 1, it, it just feels like a young Pyromancer deck that I, that I just love playing, so I'm all about it. Uh, it, of course, my version, I'd probably play with Absorb, 
because um, <laughs> I love countering and gaining three and getting a token. But <laughs> yeah, Esper mid range is very like every card in there is like a limited bomb, so it feels really nice. Uh, of the remaining decks, none of them look that interesting. I don't know. Bat Midrange. Bat Midrange has a lot of cool new cards, but it's ruined by the fact that the fairy's in it. Uh, <laughs> uh what? <laughs> what do you mean, ruined? <laughs> Enhanced, if you go to the Thank you, Richard. Thank you. <laughs> so, so for me, I mean, I gotta, I gotta shout out the gate deck, but we already mentioned that. But there was one other deck that was really sweet that I wanted to mention. 44th place, Paul Spears was playing Mono Red Phoenix. And this deck, it plays a lot of cards that people always want me to play, but never work when I try to play them. It's, it's, the creature base is four Arclight Phoenix. Okay. Four Electrostatic Field. Four Gutter Snipes and some Steamkins. And then you're just playing like Warlords Furies and Crash Throughs. It just tried to like gutter, chain together, light up the stage and all these horrible one mana red cantrips to burn your opponent out with Gutter Snipes and Electrostatic Fields. So I think that deck, it's worth mentioning. It just looks so janky. It also looks pretty cheap. Like you need Arclight Phoenixes and Runaway Steamkins. Otherwise, I think it's all like commons uncommon so if you want something kind of different to try out on arena that's not a lot of wild cards to put together uh this seems like a a fun option and a kind of a different take on mono red in the format anyway any other week one standard ravnik allegiance thoughts before we move on to uh our other topics i'm just happy to see all the sweet new like i'm just excited to see all the power that rna brought to standard so i'm loving it Oh, yeah. I think it it was a fun weekend, too. I I enjoyed it. Got to watch some of the tournament, and I'm fairly happy with how the format's looking right now. So, anyway, the other big news of this weekend uh, was there was a limited GP. GP, New Jersey. It was sold out, and uh, the GP itself, it was a limited GP, whatever. Uh, it's, It's fine. The bigger news was some of the weirdness that kind of, like, trickled out and happened uh, as a result of this GP. So uh, a quick recap of the main topics are there weren't any like coverage at all, not just video coverage, but there wasn't any text coverage. And people were asking like, how can I see my friends in the standings and stuff? And Wizards in a tweet (laughs) just said basically like, oh, we're not doing coverage like we used to. We're going to post everything on Sunday night. We're changing how we're doing coverage. And people, while it's still not... 100% sure what that means, Uh, combining that with the fact that the next event on the schedule, and I think the only events currently on the Twitch streaming schedule from Wizards, are the Pro Tour the end of February, and then uh, the Mythic Championship at PAX East the end of March, people are kind of putting two and two together and like, whoa, does this mean that we're not doing coverage like is there no gp coverage anymore and then to top that off and send people into even more of a frenzy uh there were some pictures of the top eight feature match area and it was just like this cruddy old table with eight people and the winner like they had a, a fake trophy it was a trophy from a different gp that they had the winner pose with but he didn't actually get to take it home so what is going on with what is going on with coverage like what what is the deal with this crim and richard same old watsy but more money from Hasbro. I, I, I know I don't get it. Like we, we launch a new set. You know, we're in the new age of esports. Why don't we have any coverage, like at all? Like, if you talk to random people on the street, are they aware that there's a new set out? Like, if you tune into Twitch, are you seeing anything? Like, why is there not a big push? You know, why is the Pro Tour so far down? And you know, why are we not? You know, it's like just be, you can't just call yourself an esport and be an esport, right? You got to do it through actions, right? With like big tournaments, coverage, you know, it's a sport. People watch it. No one is watching it, right? Is it really an esport still, right? Like, or, you know, like it's just weird. I don't know. I, I want to say that Watsi has some kind of plan, but they should kind of at least tell us. And right now, just two events for the next two months seems kind of lame. So hopefully next week they'll be like, hey, surprise, guys. Here's all the things that uh, we've been saving to tell you guys. And here they are. And hopefully it'll be super exciting. But we want more coverage. And if they're going to say stuff like, oh, no one wants text coverage or no one wants to watch a limited Grand Prix, 
then why run a limited Grand Prix, right? Like why not run a standard Grand Prix, which you know everyone will watch, right? So I I feel like they're, I guess their R&D is kind of clashing with their marketing where they kind of want to save the spicy decks, but then marketing needs something to push. And like, I don't know, something is not working internally there. What, what about you, Krim? What's your take on all this? <laughs> it's been quite a funny uh, start to the year, right? I mean, you had the way uh, Magic Fest Oakland ended <laughs> as as a for a viewership spectating kind of thing for an esport. But I I'm kind of the person that's an optimist, and I'm gonna just have to assume that there is something there. Uh, there is a plan, but it's just like like Richard said, I. You know, for the people, I think it's it'd be good to be transparent and announce things in advance. Uh, I, I think the the issue was that it was delivered through a tweet on a random thread, uh, and <laughs> that kind of just like it, it hurts, right? To uh, the the mass, and and let's yeah. not talk about the. <laughs> questionable trophy that we don't know if it exists or not or whatever happened with the trophy i don't know Uh, (laughs) i'm hoping they just like lost the trophy they're like look american airlines (laughs) lost our luggage and not like oh yeah we have no trophies just take pictures with these other trophies from last year i hope it's really not that because winning a grand prix is like a special moment in your magic career right and to not have like yeah. not have a trophy like that kind of sucks and even if they mail him one like six weeks later like the moment is gone imagine winning like, the super I- bowl and like you have nothing to hoist <laughs> and they're like don't worry <laughs> we'll, we'll send you one we'll send you a ring and that's fine right you get no coverage you get nothing to hoist you get no celebration like nothing no party like it's it's a little saddening <laughs> Yeah, and the GP winner like, with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> and the trophies they they don't even look very expensive. I can't even like even if there's like uh, some financial stuff behind the scenes going on, it's like a ten dollar trophy. Like dig deep, wizards. It's a it's a ten dollar trophy. I think you can handle that. Uh, I don't know. I'm actually kind of worried about the coverage aspect. And while. I, I don't want to go too deep without getting, like, something from Wizards. I'm really hoping that at some point they say, like, oh, we're not doing coverage anymore, or this is what we're doing for coverage. Uh, I think that just, if they really are not covering GPs anymore, I think that's a pretty backwards and bad decision. Uh, I Wizards loves throwing around the we're esports thing. They were throwing that around back before Arena was even a thing, like years and years ago, like we're a top five esport or whatever. And th- to be an esport, you got to be on Twitch and like cover your tournament. So I'm, I don't know, especially after we just got this huge rebranding of GPs with, uh, with them being Magic Fest and they're going to be these big festivals and it's going to be this awesome thing and we're doing all this really cool stuff to see like no trophies no coverage the standings didn't even go up until like 3 a.m there was no i believe from what people are saying like the winner wasn't even really displayed it was like random people tweeting who won instead of like the wizards account so the whole thing on the back of them doing this big rebrand and trying to make it sound like we're doing this awesome thing with with gps this year and we're calling it a magic fest and it's going to be super sweet it was a little disappointing for the first real i guess there was a was a couple of GPs, but the first uh, big uh, GP after Revnik Allegiance came out to just sort of go as it did and be kind of a feel bad and like so confusing and just uh, I don't know I don't know what to think I, I I don't know what Wizards is thinking here at all. So do you think they're done with covering GPs? Like, are we reading too much into this? Are you expecting that uh, this week or next week we can announce, but like, haha, like you're all misunderstanding. We're actually covering GPs like normal, or are they going to cover like uh, the pro tours and the mythic championships and do six events a year with coverage or something? I think we should get worried when they skip standard coverage. So skipping limited coverage is, you know, that's something they've done before. So I'm not too concerned, but it does bring the question like, is there esports money coming from new money or from budget cuts, right? Like, did they just cut coverage and like funnel some of that money into, you know, the Mythic Championship? Or is that actually new money going into Magic, right? Like seeing this makes me question that because I just assumed it was new, right? So I, 
I, I don't know. It's a bit worrisome, but until I see a cut standard tournament, if I see a cut standard tournament, then I'm like, okay, maybe there is no coverage, period. Uh, but hopefully <laughs> that's not the case. As I yeah. said, I, I'm a, an optimist, so I, I think there's a plan. It's just a little poorly executed, but I think <laughs> there's, there's a plan. A plan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's being thought up of right now at yeah. Wizards HQ. <laughs> They're like, oh boy. <laughs> Give them we a minute. We didn't think anyone would notice, but they noticed. What do we do? <laughs> Throwing the darts, throwing the darts at the dartboard. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait and see, and we should know more because there are constructed GPs, a lot of modern GPs, which are traditionally some of the best few GPs are modern tournaments. So what you said about standard, I think for me that also goes for modern. If we have these modern GPs coming up and they don't get any coverage, I think that would say the same thing to me, that Wizards is just not planning on covering GPs anymore, which uh, hopefully they know what they're doing. I do think that they just mostly uh, kind of re-kajiggered money to the like classic arena economy where it's like, <laughs> ah, like we'll give you the fifth card problem fix, but we're going to take this away. So overall, it remains the same. Uh, from what I can tell from talking to people who have done the math and stuff, there might be, like, of that $10 million big announcement, uh, it might be, like, possibly, like, a 10% increase over last year if you consider, like, flights going away, you consider uh, coverage of potentially going away and all that stuff. So I think that the the 10 million number, while there might be a little bit of new money in there, I think it is mostly knobs being turned and money going in different directions, which... I still think it's good marketing on their end, and I don't really blame them for doing it that way because 10 million is a it's a flashy number and we got a lot of coverage from mainstream uh sources because of this huge prize pool. So I don't think that it's a bad thing, but I do think that from an enfranchised player perspective that is expecting coverage of GPs and expecting trophies and so forth, feeling like oh, they didn't really add money to the game and they just kind of uh, twisted some knobs and moved it to different places, it is a little bit disappointing because when I saw that $10 million, I was like, oh my god, Hasbro's investing so much in magic, this is going to be awesome, look at all the support we're getting, and now I'm more like, alright, it seems like a good marketing campaign, <laughs> but maybe Hasbro didn't actually like just pony up $10 million because I love magic so much. <laughs> that that is very disheartening to hear, Seth. <laughs> I thought it was ten million dollars of like new money, but it's just actually recycled money. Oh boy, that's that's what it looks like. Is that other things were were cut? So there is probably some amount of new money in there, but it's probably more a million or two million, maybe compared to ten million in new money. So, <sighs> anyway, um. Oh, one last thing before we move on to fish mail. I did want to shout out Star City Games. Uh, speaking of all this problems with coverage, Star City Games had their first big event uh, after Ravnica Allegiance. They did Standard, which was awesome. They had, at one point, at least 13,000 people. It might have actually been more than that. That was like partway through one of the days, so it probably was higher than that at its peak. And they kind of doubled down on their coverage. They had uh, the GAM podcast guys as a backup announcement crew, so they're doing time walk magic. So even though Wizards coverage, I have no idea what's going on, uh, Star City Games seems to have really doubled down on making their coverage even better, and it was already really good. So it's exciting that we still do have magic. And uh, so thanks to Star City Games for keeping magic there on the weekends, giving us tournaments to watch, deck lists to read. So it's nice to know that uh, private companies or the community can kind of maybe pick up the slack where Wizards <laughs> is maybe dropping the ball a little bit. Anyway, anything else before we get on to fish mail? Like, that's, I mean, like, th that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, I'm really happy that Star City, once again, like, just reiterate what you said. Like, Star City doing that is pretty huge because uh, Paper Magic is still very important and I still love Paper Magic. So, as much as, like, you know, like, Arena's cool, but I also, yeah, definitely having Paper Magic coverage is huge. Yeah, I think I think it's very important. Even in a world of arena, I think we still uh and I think Wizards still needs it. I think at this point, paper is still their bread and butter. And maybe we'll get to the point where Arena has a Hearthstoneian amount of players and they're just making tons of money off of their free to play game. But at this point, uh, we're just not there yet. I think Arena's doing really well, but just player base size, when you consider that 
less than 5%, according to studies on other games, of players actually pay any money to a free-to-play game. You need a lot of players for Arena to really replace uh, paper from a financial perspective. So hopefully Wizards, they got to realize that. They just sold how many millions of dollars worth of Mythic Edition in like two hours. I can't imagine that they're actually going to pull significant support from paper at this point. Maybe eventually if Arena has 80 million players, players like Hearthstone or whatever, maybe we get to that point, but I don't think we're anywhere near that yet. Yeah. Anyway, Richard, fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question, Cole Miners. If Deathrite Shaman was a Planeswalker with the same abilities as Loyal abilities, uh, so plus one for mana, minus one for the others, would he then be fair in Legacy? Wait. Same mana cost too. So I think that would make him one mana planeswalker. Less fair. No, no ultimate, I guess. And then the the plus one is add mana, and then the the drain and the life gain are minus ones. I think that just makes it even better because the downside of death right is you can just like fatal push or lightning bolt it, and uh, <laughs> it gets harder to kill if it's a planeswalker, right? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. What? No, but then he can be attacked by creatures. Like the, the the whole you can just like sand you know keep a death right shaman there and then like they you know they can't kill it unless they have removal and then you just drain them away so I don't actually know that it's that clear cut like I don't want to be attacked by like a lingering souls token and lose my death right shaman like that's hmm. what does it start out with loyalty wise for a, a one mana planeswalker I guess <laughs> maybe like two three I, it can't be more than that right it's gotta be like well two. definitely is not more than three <laughs> yeah and I guess you can't two. continually drain right like you gotta plus plus it somewhere in there so actually i don't i actually probably want the creature version uh i don't know i don't I, know i'm still with seth on this i think it being a planeswalker and one mana is is a lot better <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i don't get to you know drain as much as i want but <laughs> It feels pretty gross if it's a planeswalker. It's interesting because you can do it as like a burn spell because you can just come in and minus and like burn someone. But uh, that's that's an interesting question. And, uh, and you wouldn't have to like play around summoning sickness to immediately add the mana. You can't, but you can't green sun zenith. Actually, it's free, right? Because you just bring it, you just put it down and plus one. It's it's like Phyrexian <laughs> mana. <laughs> I don't know, man. It sounds it sounds kind of rough <laughs> to have as a planeswalker. At but one then, mana. like Tarmogoyf just like smashes you, or a Stoneforge Mystic just smashes you. So I don't know. There's is it really there. ever that easy though? Does Tarmogoyf just easily punch you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I can't imagine it just being like, all right, whatever. Tarmogoyf hits my death right. It's over. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, Golden Guy twenty seven. What do you think about an MTG product for Cube, like printing gold bordered non tournament versions of expensive cards, like Snapcaster, Jace, Fetches? Commander players would likely love this as well. I would love it. I think that that's that has always been one of my best solutions to the reserve list issue, <laughs> assuming that um, Wizards won't actually get rid of the reserve list. And I don't even know if they'll do the gold-bordered version. They have the like spirit of the reserve list thing, but I think that something like that would be an awesome way to kind of skirt the reserve list in a way that definitely won't hurt the value of the original cards and potentially lets, like you said, commander players, casual players uh, to have an option. And theoretically... It might even help with the proxy problem. Like, one of the things you hear from people that are buying counterfeit cards is, I'm not going to use these in a tournament, I just want them for my commander deck, and I can't spend $500 on Underground Sea. If there was a cheap version available, officially from Wizards, Wizards is kind of filling that need themselves, and theoretically siphoning off some money that right now is going to counterfeiters who are also selling cards to people who are trying to play them in tournaments or scam people by selling them on eBay. So I think that it could be a win-win for everyone. Wizards gets money, players get cards, and we take some chunk out of the counterfeit market. Zero 100%. chance. Zero chance it will happen. Watsy wants you to fork up the money for Underground Sea. Like, they don't... Like, especially for cards that are reprintable, like Snapcaster Jace, like, they want you to buy the real ones. So if they want you to play with them, uh, they'll either reprint them or just make you pay, uh, you know, pay for them. So I, I think they're done with gold-bordered cards. Like, they haven't made them in a really long time. And I think it's one of those things where they just tried it out. But 
like they don't want to acknowledge that it's too expensive and that here have some cheaper version because commander players casual players they will just play with them right and they will not buy the the real cards so effectively to them it's just like a cheaper version of it so i don't think watsi wants that even though as players we would love that i don't think watsi wants that i think they want you to spend that hundred bucks for whatever staple you're going after but then reserve list cards it would probably be okay because like wizards like other than but then they're acknowledging uh, that people want to play with this and then if they want to play with this then why do you have the reserve list i I don't know that they want to go in i think they just want people to forget those cards ever exist (laughs) like (laughs) i guess that's that's true and i think wizards when it comes right down to it they'd rather have people buying standard cards that they make easy money off of than spending their money on legacy staples yeah. and so forth like so I, I think there's like yeah we see it when they like make say the the battle bond lands you're like okay we want players to have dual lands for multiplayer so they design a new card such that it does you know what they want or they reprint cards rather than giving people proxies because it just looks bad, right? Like, well, why is this card gold bordered? Oh, it's a cheaper version of this like thousand dollar card I can't afford. Like, you don't want your friends hearing that story, right? So, I, I just don't think they will ever do gold bordered ever again. Speaking of those battle bond lands, they're getting expensive. Uh, I, they're up to like ten ish dollars for a lot of them, and they're climbing. So, uh, I hope they reprint them soon. If not. You might, might want to get them now for Commander because they have just been steadily growing uh, since they were printed, more or less. They're so good. I'm going to have to go buy some of those. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> I uh, just built my like budget EDH deck, so I definitely need to go buy it. <laughs> well, what kind of budget is this where you can afford $10 lands, Cream? <laughs> okay, well, I mean, this is budget within my group, I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Carolus Rex 78 since Standard is so cheap on Moto... Is it worth it financially to try to redeem a complete set or a complete foil set? Uh, so Hydroid Crassus has something to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> so the problem is part of the reason that standard is so cheap is Wizards has massively nerfed redemption. Uh, so right now I think only Ravnica Allegiance and Guilds of Ravnica are actually redeemable, and those are a lot more expensive than the other sets in Standard right now, so you're not getting a a super cheap deal, really, when it comes to redeemable sets. I'm looking right now, uh, you're looking at around $100, uh, and then the redemption fee on top of that for either of those sets. I think it's probably still a good deal compared to buying all those cards on the open market. So I think it's a fine deal, but it's not like a complete RNA set is 20 bucks or something, and you have this huge profit if you redeem it. All right. Next question. Bird Stockton. Do you think Awaken the Erstwhile has a place in Zombie Hunt? Uh, so, <laughs> so I actually, I've been working on for Brewers Minute this weekend, uh, the 10 modern combos from RNA video. And I think the answer is sort of, uh, yes, it is a payoff in Zombie Hunt. Is it better than the other payoffs, which are, uh, Zombie Infestation or Seismic Assault are the two main ones? And I don't know what the answer to that is. The downside is it's way more expensive. The upside is since you're drawing all your lands with Treasure Hunt anyway, you can get Besaju and make it uncounterable and you wipe your opponent's hand so they won't have an answer to your stuff. My guess is that Zombie Infestation is still the better of the two options because it lets you win much quicker. But I think you can build a successful Zombie Hunt deck with Awaken the Erstwhile. It might just be a little bit worse than the Zombie Hunt builds. I just saw the deck that you posted after that oh man that's such a wild deck <laughs> it, it is very much like a meme deck but it's really funny when it works like you just mulligan until you have a treasure hunt and then and then you hopefully win if your opponent has nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild deck captain wow 26 do you think watsi will ever put modern or legacy into arena i'm considering buying into modern emoto but don't want to spend money if they'll just go on arena <laughs> We might all have different answers on this. <laughs> my my answer is no. I don't think we will ever... I, I am very confident we'll never have Legacy, and I'm fairly confident that we will never have Full Modern. 
I think we'll have a standard plus or like arena extended or whatever, but I don't think it'll be be modern modern. Yeah, I think Seth I think it'll is be, correct. Yeah. Uh, but if it does ever happen, it's like a really long way off. So even if we somehow do get modern, uh, it is like so far off that it doesn't matter. You might as well be buying into modern on Moto uh, if you're interested. Like you, it doesn't make any sense to wait for it. But I think Seth is correct that most likely. We won't. I think Wizards will just kind of say, yeah, whatever modern, like, here, play this new modern we have on Arena. Right. I think that's the f- the route Wizards will go. I, I think that eventually, in time, yes. But if I want to play modern, I'm going to just go buy into it now. I don't want to wait, because, like, the, it's going to be down the line <laughs> if, if it happens. Yeah. I don't I don't see legacy at all, but I definitely could see maybe some kind of modern, if not like maybe something close to it but yeah like there will be i like there's got to be some non-rotating format what year does point. modern start like what's the earliest uh, set in modern? Uh, 2002 mirrodin yeah. block in eighth edition yeah zero chance yeah. they implement 15 years of cards <laughs> like it's it's gonna be they might make like modern cube or something like they might make a timed event where they're like here play the best of modern or something and they implement you know 500 cards but that's a lot of cards for them to add. Yeah, that's that's an absurd amount of cards. The other thing is, give it time. I <laughs> really think time. that <laughs> I really think that by the time we would get to the point where five years in the future, whatever plus, that we would be to the point of maybe adding modern on arena. I think Wizards, my belief is that they will be supporting another format. Like, I think it makes so much financial sense for Wizards to uh, basically create new Modern again, get rid of the oldest cards from Modern now that they've reprinted them a ton of times in Modern Masters, and start Modern 2.0 with, I don't know, Origins or Shards of Alar or something like that five years in the future, and kind of like restart Modern. So that's my biggest reason to think it won't happen. By the time the time frame would work out, I think Wizards will more or less have pulled support from modern and it'll be like legacy and we'll have a new modern which is their fully supported gp eternal format or non-rotating format all right next up dr fanny pack seth do you ever punt so hard that you don't put it in a video (laughs) i i don't know if i have ever cut a a match or anything because of a putt i think you get to I think you get to see them all. I can't think of a time where I've ever cut a match or a game for that reason. I think punts add to videos, honestly. Like, I try not to make punts, and my goal is to play as good as possible, but I actually think that that mistakes are, in general, especially in small numbers, a positive thing for videos and streams. Yeah, like, <laughs> punts, punts are great content. <laughs> it's just great content. <laughs> The more hang time, the better. (laughs) 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 All right. Chain Freeze. Do you think Wilderness Reclamation will make standard control decks broken? Double flipped as Kanta, unlimited counters, etc. It's got a chance. I mean, it does a lot of the same things that Teferi does uh, as far as untapping utility lands, except it also lets you combo kill a lot faster and more efficiently. So... Uh, I think there was a chance. We got two years almost with it in the format. Sooner or later, it's going to do something busted. That's my guess. I, I Yeah. <laughs> as resident control expert, do something busted. would you ever switch from, say, Saltai into, or not Saltai, from Esper into Saltai to play Wilderness Reclamation? <laughs> if I had to, yeah. If I had to. Like, the card is just so good. I mean, it, it just, there's no way it's standard life is just going to sit on the sidelines, right? Like, I can't imagine that. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've played against Wilderness Reclamation a few times on Arena, and my experience is they just die casting it. <laughs> like, if you spend, like, four mana doing literal nothing, uh, I, I guess you get to untap, right? So I guess it's not actually yeah. four mana, but usually if that's their turn four move, like, they're gonna die for to a mono red player so i'm actually quite happy are you happy playing mono red this. richard of course are you the mono red oh richard, richard. <laughs> I, I must say that i have experienced none of this new standard you guys are talking about because i don't know what they're playing but i'm just like skewer the critics light up the stage what are you doing are you i have playing no blue idea red oh yeah are you adding the sphinx <laughs> <laughs> you were such a contradiction, Richard. You're the filthiest casual playing Skeleton so... Tribal, and then you also play just the most hated deck on Arena. <laughs> Mono Red is uh... a casual deck because it cost me a whole like eight uncommon wild cards to upgrade from uh, Guilds of Ravnica to Ravnica Allegiance. There's like zero committal to this. So. <laughs> 
and I don't need to do anything. I'm like, what new car are you playing? Don't know, don't care, right? Burn, 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 you're dead. <laughs> How how's it been working for you? Like, have you been climbing climbing the no, ranks? No, it's, it's gotten worse. I think Monterey's gotten worse. There, there's like so much life gain, or maybe because everyone else is playing it now. Like, there's just so much life gain going on. And people that know how to play their wild growth walkers, you can't win. Like, all you got to do is wait till turn four to play wild growth walker, and then you'll win. If you play it on turn two, you'll lose. So as people discover how to play their wild growth walkers, it's like impossible to win. So like your win rate is like less than 50, but it's still fun. It's still fun to uh, burn people's face and get your daily coins. (laughs) It's so fast. It's like, oh, I'm balling into five, just concede. Like, I do not have enough burn in my hand to actually win. <laughs> Seriously, though, with how much mono red there is running around, Richard, it's why I love Revitalize. Oh, Revitalize like, is like an instant concede to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> revitalize oh boy. scoop. <laughs> oh, boy, that's bad. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, JClem621. <laughs> With all the new tricolor strategies, what do you think about printing Blood Moon into standard? <laughs> Would it be t- good to slow the three-color decks, or is it too punishing? Uh, they they would never do it. I would uh, have the time of my life if Blood Moon was in standard, especially with people playing, like, one to two basics and their three-color decks. Oh, man. Oh, man. That is all I would do for the next 18 months or whatever. But, no, I don't think Wizards would ever do it. And I actually don't think, outside of my own personal love of Blood Moon, I don't actually think it would be a fun card for the format. If you think people get upset about losing to Turbo Fog, just wait until turn two Blood Moon off of Lana Elves, and they <laughs> literally just cannot play Magic, period, for the entire rest of the game. Well, what about just a reprint of Burning Earth? What Something like that could work. Is that yeah? Because uh, when you tap, it's like a mana barbs for yeah. non basics. Correct, and it's four mana. It's an enchantment. Uh, oh, I'm like, it's, it's not hateful enough. It needs to do two. It's damage. not hateful enough. It needs to be I three mean, mana I, I, and do two damage. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. There, that makes so much sense. <laughs> With I don't all know the if we want to make decks. mono red better. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I feel there should be a way to punish these greedy mana bases, and leaving it up to RNG is not good enough. I would have to take six damage to mortify that. That's why then you gotta play like it's Blood Moon, right? You gotta hold the mana and wait for it to come down, <laughs> and then tap in response and then kill it, right? Yep. Yeah. It's just gonna or be that easy. Always. You get punished for playing greedy mana base, and you might think to to move towards Azorius only instead of three colors. Everyone's just gonna be on mono red, mono blue and mono green stompy and it's gonna be back to like (laughs) i think we do need like a wasteland or like blood moon is too extreme but we we do need something it has to be playable though it can't be this like four mana thing that does nothing i kind of thought there would be some kind of card maybe i mean somewhere right maybe not in this set but maybe in whatever war of the spark or whatnot that punishes the three mana color base the three mana uh, bases and stuff like that. Like we're, we're talking like maybe Burning Earth. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like something like that, because uh, that was around in the last Ravnica, right? Um, yeah. And and I remember playing switching to Bant because I needed Kiora so I could bubble it and then make it so it stops hitting me. <laughs> oh, what about Price of Progress? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, baby! <laughs> you know yeah, what? what Blood Moon about. never happening. Let's Might bring well the Price of Progress Blast to standard. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, price of progress would be so good. How about like a Vegas or the price of progress? That'd be still be too good, no? No. <laughs> like, like you have one turn progress. to remove it. You gotta let it has an to be creature. Sick. There you go. How about we give price of progress a body? <laughs> a three three. <laughs> Just make it three it, three. That'll make it fair. First strike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spectacle one. All right. Oh yeah. There you go. There you go. Is that a spectacle on that bad boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Price of Progress is so good. Well, I want Price of uh, Progress. I forgot all about that card. I do not love that card. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question. John Babala, do you think AI will beat Magic players in the future now that AI has won over StarCraft 2 players? What and when is easier for AI? Playing Constructed, Sealed, Drafting, or Brewing? Ooh. I assume that playing a tier constructed deck and doing it optimally would probably be easier than the other options like limited or brewing. Uh, I I don't know. 
I actually don't have a good answer to this. I mean, I I think it'd be drafting. <laughs> like, I, there's definitely an algorithm that you could throw in there to make it draft a little better. I mean, we're obviously this is assuming we've gotten past the uh, using my have utility seen, lands out of, uh, with auto tap. But like, <laughs> have you seen the the arena drafting bots? <laughs> they don't actually scare me too much as far as they're gonna beat me in a draft, <laughs> dude. But that's right now. Give it, give it, a, give it a year, <laughs> and then we're gonna be complaining. It's too too difficult. I, I can't draft on arena. It's so, easier to play a pro. <laughs> I don't know StarCraft 2. Do you think that Magic would be harder or easier than StarCraft as far as AI beating people? Well, response times like in like StarCraft is pretty pretty brutal and pick, picking up on the strategies. I I guess I would say I don't know, it's kind of hard. They're not like the same game, but yeah. I guess StarCraft I think is, StarCraft would be much harder. Yeah, is is harder, so I guess it can pick up on Magic. I think Instructed is actually pretty easy. Like, if you had access to Watsi's data and, like, you actually spent the resources, because, like, who's actually doing this, right? Like, it's not like you got to just whip up some project over the weekend and you're done, right? Like, it's a research thing. But I think, like, you could actually do it and it would actually be very good. Whether it could beat the top pros, question mark, but it could probably beat most players quite handily easily. It wouldn't be that hard. But you need Watsi's data. Otherwise... Uh, it's very difficult. So you do need all the Magic Arena or Magic Online data to do it. I mean, I used to rage at all the bots when I was younger playing, like, I don't know, the Yu-Gi-Oh! and, like, Pokemon card games. <laughs> the bots were always good. They just always had the cards. So, I mean, <laughs> you just give them, like, a perfect hand-picked seven that's, like, you know, catered to beat your deck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, dude, I that's... used to rage. <laughs> like, uh... throw my Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's all the questions we have for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that that brings us to the end of episode 208 of the Goldfish Podcast. So, Krim and Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks one more time to spikesacademy.com for supporting the show. Get 10% off at spikesacademy.com with the code goldfish. And until next week, this is the crew signing out. Thank you.